listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chuck Peters, and we're so glad to have you today. We uh, just enjoy having conversations about things that are pertinent and helpful and useful and informational to you as ministry leaders. And today will be an episode that uh, will be enlightening and revealing. Uh, We have with us my friend, Scott McConnell. Scott's the executive director of Lifeway Research, and he is here today to share with us some of the things that we have been able to observe from some surveys that he and his team have conducted to tell us how people have responded to the things that we've done in the church and as the church in and through the COVID season. So Scott, welcome. It's good to have you here. Thank you, Chuck. Great to be here. So Scott, we're, we're, I'm excited to uh, have you share some of the things that we've learned. Uh, a lot of us as church leaders have tried a number of different things through the COVID uh, crisis. Everything from making videos uh, through our social media channels and doing Bible studies on Zoom with kids, which is always an adventure. Uh, We've tried a lot of parking lot ministries, many, many different things uh, that we've done and that the church has done. And so we want to hear what it is that you have heard and what you've learned from people in the church that would give us maybe a little better perspective of how they really feel. Because, you know, as we all know, the people who are the most unhappy tend to be the ones with the loudest voices. And so we hear if people don't like things, but maybe just maybe there's some data out there that would help us know that the things we've done were actually worthwhile. Uh, So we want to get to that in a minute. But first, there's a but first, Scott. But first... I sometimes on the podcast, especially when we have a new guest who hasn't been with us before, a new friend, I like to ask questions to help us learn a little bit about little you. So I want to learn a little bit about little Scott. So just a couple of things. So first of all, where did you grow up? Where are you from? I was born in Minnesota. And so I lived there until I was 11. And uh, so cold winters, sledding. All those kind of fun things. That's those are my early memories. And uh, when, when I was 11, I moved to Philadelphia. So kind of a total switch uh, for for kind of my teenage years. But so most of my elementary years and and all, all my younger years were in Minnesota. Wow. So Minnesota. Okay. So you mentioned. I mean, clearly we all think of snow when we think Minnesota and cold. And so do you? Um, do do you remember? Did you have like a special sled that you that that you was like your best sled or one that you have good memories around? Now the best sleds were always somebody else's sled. Oh yeah, of course. It, you know, when you go to the hill, you're looking around and you're like, I want on that sled. And uh, you know, I've got great memories of you know somebody bringing like a huge toboggan, one of those wooden ones. The wooden know? ones with a curved front. Yes, yeah. yes, and like you get five about six or six people on them. Yeah, yeah, five, six of us on there, and when you. <laughs> run into something at the bottom of the hill, just bodies go flying. And, and, you know, you're all padded up because you're wearing so many layers that it's just, it's funny and it's fun. And, and that's, that's just a blast. And those, those toboggans always seem to be fast. Yes. There's something about the wood, you know, that just made them quick. Um, but the, so there's some controversy, at least in my mind now. So I grew up in Pennsylvania, New Jersey. So we had a bit of snow, not nothing like Minnesota snow. Can't, can't win there more like your Philadelphia snow years, but it seems like, you know, there's, there's a little bit of controversy around the runner sleds, you know, like the classic ones with the the metal, the red metal rails that you ride on. Did you like those or not like those? 
you know, that my, my, the danger meter kind of goes up a little bit because if you get run <laughs> over by first. one of those, you get run over by those those metal runners, you, you you're done for. But you're gonna remember. But it, I, I don't really like them on powdered snow. But like if it's packed down a little right, bit, they sink. Yeah. Oh, you can fly when it's packed down. So if you get ice. Yeah. Or yeah. packed down snow. That's good. Yep. You run over it a few times with a toboggan to kind of pack it down good and, t- and then you run down there on yeah. the runners. Yeah. Those are always extra dangerous because you go and typically face first. You know, if you did it, were you a belly rider or a sitter upper? I normally was a sitter. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we just had a small hill. So to make it fun, we had to have a jump. You got to run and, so- and jump. And then you oh like a ramp yeah jump. like a ramp uh, so like skateboarders will will throw you know throw a little 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 something in there to, to to jazz it up and so you know since it was a shorter hill we we had to have a jump on there and so you know you'd work all day trying to build that jump and you know trying to get it running just right and and uh, by by then you're like you know your feet are frostbitten. And I always remember, uh, like, as a kid, m- my mom, you know, in order not having the greatest boots or snow boots, putting, like, uh, plastic bread bags on, on your feet underneath the boots. That's a part of my memory. Not one of the best memories, but the Wonder Bread bags, those were the best ones. Yes, they, they were. Uh, we didn't eat Wonder Bread, but when you could get the bags, that was that that was next level. You dump out the bread on the ground, and then you just put the bag on your feet. How fun. Well, I know, you know, as we record this, it's we're, it's just starting to, to get cold. Fall is finally here. We're just, uh, by the time listeners hear this episode, we will already be past the whole falling back with the clocks and it's going to be getting dark at four o'clock in the afternoon before you know it. But maybe just maybe in some parts of the country, snow is around the corner and that will be one of those fun things where our kids will be making those sled memories themselves. So man, thank you for sharing that, Scott. That's awesome to get a little bit of insight. I had no idea you were a Minnesota guy. We do have several friends who listen in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and up in that part of the country. So hey out there to Penny and all your people. I know that you're listening and smiling as you listen to Scott and you're nodding your head about the sleds that you had too. So hey, Minnesota, Wisconsin, we appreciate you guys. Okay. With that said, Scott, let's talk a little bit about about COVID. Like we, so we don't need to talk about COVID, COVID, but you know, the church, um, we we found ourselves in a place where the way that we have always done ministry was no longer viable, and and we had to make adjustments. And we, through Lifeway Kids, had challenged our listeners and our church leaders to figure out how to do ministry, even if we couldn't meet. So we we talked about doing kids ministry from anywhere in the same way that we work from anywhere. And we said, look, if you if you can't meet in person, figure out how to do mailbox or how to do ministry through the mailbox, the inbox, online, whatever we could do. And churches did. And we all kind of did our own thing. And we know that other people did similar things, but we don't necessarily know how that was received and how effective it was. And so I know that you have conducted some surveys and done some work around this. And we are just excited to have you uh, fill us in on what it is that you've learned about what people thought about what we did. Absolutely. Uh, You know, the first thing to point out is the variety of things that churches did was amazing and the, the the speed with which churches had to respond to to something they had never experienced before uh you know in the survey world you know numbers don't move very fast 
uh, you know, very few trends move quickly, uh, especially in the religious world. Uh, you know, they're very slow over time. And so for us to see literally almost every church meeting at the beginning of March yes. to by the beginning of April to have literally a handful of churches still meeting, yeah. you know, just less than 10 percent of churches meeting in, in April, uh, you know, that just doesn't happen. And, and, and to see the church, you know, quickly responding, churches that had never done technology suddenly jumped into technology. They said, we're going to still be the church. We're, we're still going to gather around the truth of scripture and find ways to do it. And, you know, it, you know, the, the worship narrative is, is one narrative and, 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 you know, what happened to worship services and, and, you know, even the variety there, you know, there was about 30, uh, 31% of churches stopped for a short period of time and then jumped right back in and then they started worship right back up. You know, that's the biggest group of churches. All, all the others did something, fewer of them did it and it was different. Uh, so the next biggest group, uh, were those who stopped for much of 2020 yeah. and then resumed. The next biggest group, one out of five churches, they were, they were stopped, uh, for most of 20 and they still by the by January, February of 21, they still had not resumed. Yeah, still not meeting. That's a lot of churches, you know, closed for a really long time in terms of seeing each other face to face. And worship was typically the first thing that a church started back. So when we think of kids ministry, you know, that's one out of five churches where kids ministry in in person was not even being talked about. Because yeah. they were still trying to figure out how to get worship back. Yes. And, and then the smaller percentages, uh, you know, were, were some of the churches starting and stopping more than once and some of those kind of scenarios. Uh, and so just a huge variety of what churches did, uh, during COVID. And, you know, by the, by early 21, uh, you, you know, we saw it even among, uh, kids ministries where, uh, you know, it's just a quarter of churches early in 2021 said that, hey, everything's back on. We're, we're back meeting together. Everything's going. And so that, again, that's a lot of churches trying to, to figure out a different way to stay in touch with kids, a different way to support families, you know, a different way to do some things online. Thirty uh, percent of churches were doing nothing in person, only online at the beginning, yeah. you know, early in 2021. And so that's just a huge variety and just kudos to churches trying to figure this out during tough times. Uh, you know, everybody shifting in their home life to, to, you know, as their families affected, but they're still trying to give back, still trying to help their church and, and to build up others in their church. Uh, so huge kudos goes out to just that variety. Yeah, we have seen and have experienced so many Kids ministry leaders in particular are very creative people. And so we saw such a range of creative approaches to ministry that the church took. Everything from, you know, uh, dropping off boxes on kids' porches, uh, mailing things home, doing drive-through VBS, uh, but also putting video on their Facebook pages and hosting Zoom kids Bible studies. And uh, they, these leaders definitely stepped up in ways that they had not done before. And so for some of us, th this, this new sort of virtual component to ministry may be something that we continue 
you know, because we it's it's something that we've now learned. And I think that it's a way to increase our reach outside the walls of of the church uh, in during, uh, you know, ministry only happening during worship hours as scheduled. And so we've we've tried a lot of things and but a lot of the leaders don't really know if those things worked uh, or if that or if what they did was was worthwhile. Uh, so what have you learned in terms of the the response of people to the various actions? We don't have like uh, action specific data, right? Well, if you did virtual VBS versus mailing something home, but uh, but you have some broad data for us about how f- how people felt about the churches uh, moving into digital space and coming up with different ways to accomplish ministry. What have you learned? Absolutely. As we ask churchgoers uh, a number of questions about most of these are church wide kinds of things that that church different churches offered, things like drive in worship services and outdoor worship services and and live streaming. Again, many churches weren't live streaming before covid, Uh, you know, posting videos to the website, online Bible studies. When we asked churchgoers, adult churchgoers about those kinds of activities, you know, a variety of different answers of whether their church offered it. But when they said their church offered it, the majority of those churchgoers at least tried it. So that's a huge encouraging thing for a lot of leaders that often didn't know. You know, they see, they'd see a few online stats or, or they'd get discouraged. You know, only two people showed up to my Zoom Bible study. Yeah. Um, you know, they'd get discouraged by a lot of those things. But when you look at them, you know, and and oftentimes when people tried them, they didn't all try them on the same week. <laughs> you know, so the right. two kids who showed up to your to, to your your Bible story time this week were two different kids than last week and then the week before. But like in total, out of all these things churches were trying, the majority of people followed that lead. You know, when somebody put some leadership out there and tried to make something happen, people responded. Mm-hmm. And so. Again, your numbers were not that 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 encouraging uh, if you're in the typical church, but be encouraged that people were at least trying with you, yes. and they they were at least checking it out. They're at least saying, "I want to be a part of this." And you know, when they tried it, they I'm sure they were thinking of why it, it wasn't ideal or it, it could have been better or, or those kind of things. But at least they're trying it with you. Yes. And for anybody who's trying to do some change management, you know, what more can you ask than for people to try it? And so, you know, that would be the first thing I I would do is just encourage leaders that 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 your congregation, you know, has been trying things with you. Yes. Yeah. Good word. Um, You know, the other piece of encouragement is as we asked adult leaders what their relationship with God was like in early in 2021 compared to before covid how have the events of 2020 impacted their relationship with God? The majority of them said that they became closer to God during this time period. And, you know, there are real reasons why we do things in person. There are real reasons why we have multiple things offered in a church for somebody to be a part of, uh, to encourage them in their discipleship. But the reality is God can move. Yes. When, when we can't meet, God can move when we can't do the ideal setup, the ideal uh, situation, and God did move. And and so another huge encouragement is it's a small majority, but the, the majority of people in your church have grown in this last year and a half. 
God's been working in their lives. And whether that's, you know, dealing with a sin in their life or restoring a relationship or, or whatever it is, there's been growth there. And, and hopefully God's been calling a few people to step into some new service areas or, or step into some, some ministry in some new ways. Um, but as you, as you get back to meeting with people, you know, don't miss that chance to go back and hear their story of, of how God has worked in their life the last year and a half and, and hit the rewind button with folks and, and give them an opportunity to share because there may be some ways to build on that. You may be giving the, you know, opportunities to have them share that story, you know, with kids in your kids ministry, have them share that story with others, other leaders, um, to encourage them because, you know, when we see what God's doing in people's lives, that, that encourages all of us. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, it's, uh, it just makes me think, Scott, how, you know, it can be easy for us to lose sight of the good in the situation. We've been through a hard season and it continues to be hard. We'll talk in a little bit about, you know, about people returning to church and their desire to do so, but we've been through a hard season. And for a lot of our people, it's been, it was difficult to do those things. It was, it was hard to learn to create video and learn how to stream and learn how to use zoom and try to try to maintain a a group momentum and do all that through technology. It's not easy. And for a lot of our people, it was outside of their comfort zone. So I, I think a big part of my desire in having you on today is to hear you say these things that are encouraging, like you just did that, you know what people did respond and they did try these things with you. And it just, it makes me think of, um, James one, uh, two and three, you know, which we all know quite well, consider it pure joy when you experience various trials, we've been through a season of trials. And, and so it can be easy for us to look back on this season with, with regret or remorse or dread or negatively. But the truth is, like you just said, Scott, we, we may have very well reached people that we might not have otherwise, whether it's the one or the two or 12 or whatever it was, it's worth it for those one or two in that moment. Well, one more piece of encouragement. We know that churches were navigating, you know, a lot of second guessing. You know, should we be yes. meeting? Should we not be meeting? Uh, are, are we listening to the right people and getting that advice? Uh, and, you know, little political overtones in a lot of those conversations. And to me, one of the most encouraging things was just two dis- agree, disagree questions we asked. Mm-hmm. We asked, would you agree or disagree? I'm ashamed of how my church responded during COVID-19. Only 12% of churchgoers had any feelings, either somewhat negative or strongly, mm. negative in that way. And, and in fact, the, the large majority answered the opposite. When we asked, are you proud of how your church responded during COVID? 86% indicated wow. they're proud of how their, their church responded. And so, you know, yes, you know, that, that handful of people that didn't like it, you know, you know, if you're in leadership, you heard from every one of them and more than once. That's right. And probably <laughs> you know. loudly. Yes. But but keep in mind, the vast majority of folks in your church, you know, they were trying things. They're rooting for you. They're actually proud of how their church has responded. And they they may not have voiced that, but I think we want to voice that. Absolutely. You know, you know and, and so that's, you know, one of the things we get to do with this research is to share the fact that, that people are behind you. They're with you. The church is still is still together. Yes. 
you know, it's, it, I think another positive outcome out of, so that, that's really great to identify Scott, that the, the majority, not only were supportive, but they're actually proud of what you're, of what the church did. That, that is significant because to ever have anyone say that they're proud of what we're doing in the church is one of the biggest compliments we can get. You know, it means that they're, Absolutely. yes, they're in our corner, but also that, uh, that hopefully they'll, they're sh- they'll share that with others. And as we come back together, we will have grown in some key areas. So I, I have been lately, uh, really drawn to three, three words in ministry and in my personal life, uh, trust, respect, and influence. And, and when we do things that cause people to, uh, to, that we win their trust and that we gain their respect, those things don't come easy. They take effort and they take time uh, to be trusted and to gain respect. But when we do earn those things with people, we become more influential in their lives. And so that the steps that our churches have taken or that the church has taken to go above and beyond uh, the, the normal mode of operation during the, a season of crisis has to bring a return to kids and to families uh, to say, look, these are people who, who, who aren't just there because it's convenient. They're doing the hard things to make a difference in a difficult season. And, and that does pay off for us in relational equity. That's so important in ministry. Absolutely. And I, I, I think, you know, we hope we get to see a lot of fruit in, in the years ahead. Um, but, you know, just knowing that that the people God has entrusted us with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, have have felt, you know, the efforts that have been made that are encouraged by that you know, should encourage us. Well, tell us what, what you know about people's desire to return. You had said earlier, uh, or maybe we haven't, maybe that was before we started. Uh, wh- what do we know about how many churches are back in meeting now uh, versus at that low point that we started talking about? And, and what are the intentions of people in terms of coming back? Well, we have very good news this fall. Uh, we, we see that 98% of Protestant churches are back to meeting in person for worship. Uh, so that's almost a full rebound in terms of, of having doors open, at least for that one segment of, of worship during the week. Now, what we are seeing is, is a, a bit of a lag on the people coming back. Mm-hmm. And, and so just the average church, uh, the, the mean would be 73% of the a- attendance here this fall compared to the, that church's attendance back in, in, in January of, of 2020. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that's been slowly rising uh, from what we saw earlier in 21 and, and last fall. But, uh, you, you know, still, we, we'd love to see that back up at a very similar number to where we were before the pandemic. Um, and, and so that that can be a little discouraging. That can be, uh, you know, something uh, that we can fixate on a little bit too long. But when we asked churchgoers uh, earlier this year uh, what their intentions were, uh, you know, we found that that not, nine out of 10 of them, more than nine out of 10 of them plan to come back in person as much or more often than they attended before the pandemic. And so uh, 91 percent. Um, and, and, and so, you know, the intention is there, uh, but oftentimes people need a little nudge to follow through on their intentions. And so that's where, you know, circling back and touching base with people you haven't seen yet, or maybe they've come back once or twice, but they're not back regularly. Uh, you know, it's worth reaching out to them and and helping them follow through on those good intentions. Absolutely. And it's so good to know 
that that the data supports the idea that people really do want to be back and that they have verbalized an intent to come back. And I do think that, as you said, that there's um, there's encouragement for us. There's really a charge for us, us there as leaders to reach out to families and to do so with confidence. Uh, because I think a lot of us can can take it personally when someone hasn't come back. Maybe is it because they don't like us? Is have we done something wrong? And the data that you've shared today would seem to indicate they're they're proud of the actions that we've taken. Uh, they're proud of their church. They're uh, they're desiring to be back. They just may not be back yet. And so we we need to have confidence, therefore, as we reach out and, and invite them back and let them know that we miss them. And it's perfectly appropriate for us to do things like that in the kids' space to say, hey, we really miss you and we'd love to have you back and, and look forward to a day when we can uh, have you back with us. So... Wonderful, wonderful. Scott, thank you so much for sharing with us today. We so appreciate the work you're doing at LifeWay Research and all the all the insight that you provide. And I think it's just so good for our churches to hear from you directly about the things that you're seeing and the trends that you're uh, observing out in the church space. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Well, we appreciate you being with us today. And we're going to have you back again soon, Scott, to talk a little bit more about some other statistical things that you're finding and observing. And so listeners, there's just a little tease to watch for another episode with Scott McConnell coming up in a couple of weeks from now. So uh, Scott, thanks again for being here. Listeners, thank you for listening. As always, make sure you share the podcast with your friends who are in ministry. We would love to welcome them uh, to the Kids Ministry 101 podcast listening audience as well. So share this episode with friends who need to be encouraged uh, by the, the, the stats that Scott has shared. And uh, and as always, we hope that the podcast is something that, that not only informs, but encourages you as you serve in your ministry, in your context. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back again soon for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. VBS is an invaluable time to reach the kids in your community with the truth of God's word, but it's important for us to be prepared. Lifeway VBS previews are the best possible way to develop your volunteer team, to gain valuable training, and to build momentum and excitement for your VBS. Get ready to build your best VBS yet at VBS Previews. Find a location near you at vbs.lifeway.com slash preview.